Hello and welcome to the Sincere Yogi Podcast, a podcast for yogis just like you who are seeking more from their yoga practice that you can't get in your average studio class. My name is Sarah and I'll be your host. Hello, yogis, and welcome back to the Sincere Yogi Podcast. I am so excited to be here with you today. It's been a little while since I've been consistent in this space. I've been working on some projects, taking some masterclasses that I've taught in person, and building them into a digital bundle for all of you. So I recently just created a yin yoga masterclass bundle, a full body flush 90 minute yin yoga practice. This bundle comes with three practice videos and a 30 some odd page ebook that explains all of the deeper inner workings of the yin yoga practice on a physical, mental, and energetic level, including a complete practice guide of all of the postures in the 90-minute masterclass and their benefits. So feel free to check that out. I will link this in the description below. It's on sale right now for $12, but its original price is $18. So snag that if you want it. And if you don't, don't worry. There's still tons of ways that you can practice with me in this online space. I've got a yoga YouTube that has 60 some odd practice videos, and I do weekly live classes on the app Insight Timer. Insight Timer is a free guided meditation and practice app where teachers can go live and host live classes, workshops on yoga, meditation, pranayama, host spiritual discussions and Q&As. It's a really cool space to be a part of, and I really do love the community on that platform. So if that's something that you're interested in, I will also link my Insight Timer profile below, and you'll have the opportunity to take any of the live classes that I host. Now, none of this is sponsored or anything. These are all just offers that I have as a teacher trying to make the practice of yoga more readily available, affordable, and accessible to people from all walks of life. So without further ado, we're now going to dive into our very next topic on this podcast, and that is the topic of Santosha. Santosha is the second niyama of the eight-limbed path of yoga, and Santosha is often translated or referred to as contentment. Now, unlike the yamas, the niyamas are not this moral code necessarily. They're not do's and don'ts. They're mental observances, so we're taking our practice a little more internal and looking at our relationship with ourselves, our mind, and how our internal world affects our external world and vice versa. Because santosha is a niyama, because it is a mental observance, I liken the practice of santosha to the practice of meditation in the sense that at first, we're not really practicing contentment so much as we are putting all of the previous yamas and niyamas into practice to cultivate contentment itself. 
Similarly to how meditation is more of a spontaneous headspace that you find yourself in after you practice all of these focusing and mindfulness techniques, such as visualizations, breath work, anything that's really grounding, taking you into the present moment. That's when you're most likely to experience those spontaneous moments of meditation, those quiet spaces of stillness where all you're doing is simply existing. And if you read my most previous blog post about Santosha, then you know there are a few practices we need to incorporate before we can really start to find the space of contentment. Accepting your external situations as they are, not judging yourself for your experiences, your emotions, and having this insanely radical love for yourself and others so that you're able to step out of that singular viewpoint and have multiple perspectives on any given situation. And when we step outside of that singular perspective, we're really starting to step away from our ego. When we do that, we start to recognize the opportunity in acknowledging other viewpoints because that means that we can choose to view our situation however we want. We stop victimizing ourselves and start entering more of a problem-solving mindset. We start to look at the opportunities for growth. We start to see the redirection as a positive thing. We start to acknowledge that these Somewhat negative experiences or maybe previously labeled negative experiences are really just learning lessons and a part of the overall human experience that we're having on this earth at this time. They're inevitable. And that's where this idea of suffering always comes in. You can't avoid suffering, but you don't have to let suffering have such a grasp on your internal world, which seems very challenging. And that's because it is. (laughs) So all of these concepts, especially the deeper that we go into the niyamas when they become very personal, they are very challenging to overcome. And it takes a long time to sort of rewire and condition our brains to step outside of that victim state of mind. Now, this doesn't mean that when we're in that state of mind, we have to ignore it or be mad at ourselves for being in that space. It's a very common headspace to find yourself in, and that's okay. Another portion of contentment that we have to acknowledge, which is very similar to aparigraha or letting go, one of the previous yamas in the eight-limbed path, is that we can't ignore our emotions. We can't ignore our external circumstances. I love the meme of the dog that's staring at the subject. I think he has a top hat on. He's got this really goofy smile and there's a building burning behind him. And he just says, this is fine. Like, no, that is not how we practice contentment. That is not how we practice letting go. We don't ignore the situation. We have to acknowledge that there's a building burning behind us, but we don't have to panic. If we enter that problem-solving mode, we can put out that fire. That's where a parigraha really becomes a preparatory practice for contentment. 
because there is an act of letting go in terms of finding contentment, letting go of the need to control your external circumstances, letting go of previous experiences that may have troubled you, or letting go of expectations and worries of future experiences. But really where Santosha and Aparigraha differ, contentment and letting go differ, is that contentment really is an internal practice. It's cultivated and built in your mind, which is why it falls under the category of a mental observance rather than a do or don't of the yogic system. Contentment can't be found with external circumstances. Contentment does not come from our external circumstances. Money doesn't buy you happiness and achieving all of your hopes and dreams and goals is only as good as your outlook on life. Now, I know we've all had this experience. I've had this experience. I've had friends who've had this experience where you work so hard for a specific goal. Maybe it's a career. Maybe it's getting a degree or doing a teacher training, what have you, and you dedicate a decent amount of time to this goal, weeks, months, years even. And then once you achieve the goal, it's like, okay, what's next? Like the journey is almost better than the destination itself. And even though you get a sense of accomplishment, it's not nearly as rewarding as putting in the actual work to achieve that goal in the first place. This same principle is seen with people who are very wealthy, who have everything you could ever want and then more, but are still so depressed and anxious and aren't really able to enjoy all that they even have because they aren't content with themselves. Now, this type of lack in contentment is very prominent in our society in the West. We have a very goal-driven society. We have a very career-heavy society. And I think things are slowly starting to change because at some point they're going to have to in order for us to maintain our own sanity, our own internal contentment as we're driving ourselves crazy trying to constantly keep up, achieve, build, create, and do more. That's like the whole American dream, right? You just work and work and work and dedicate the better portion of your life to building a beautiful life for yourself in the future. But once you get there, it's almost like you don't know what to do with yourself if you're not working. Contentment is very much so your relationship with yourself and your brain and how that's affecting everything that you're doing around you. Now, yes, contentment does mean that we have to kind of find the silver lining in situations that we don't want to be in. It means finding contentment in doing work when we would rather be outside enjoying our day. Those are all aspects of contentment as well. But before we can start doing that, we have to first be very honest with ourselves about where we're currently at, what our current thought is. So let's say you're at work, you're having a really rough day, you would rather be outside reading a book on your lanai soaking in the sun and you can't do that. So everything about your day now just has this bitter undertone to it. 
Well, first, you have to acknowledge that that bitter taste your day is having is coming from your attitude, the own internal dialogue you're having with yourself in this moment. That requires honesty and acceptance, as well as a little bit of love and compassion for yourself. It's okay to have a bad day. It's okay to have that internal dialogue. But if you really want to find contentment, you have to switch your own narrative. So that comes from stepping outside of that singular perspective, looking at all of the different ways you could view this situation, and choosing a narrative that's going to help you find contentment moving forward. So maybe you can't be on your lanai right now soaking in the rays and reading a good book, But you can make it home for sunset so you can watch sunset on your lanai while you eat your dinner. Finding those positives, those silver linings, to help you come to a better mindset so that contentment eventually settles itself into your mind and you can be present with what it is that you're doing, in this case, your work. The more that you do this, the more that you're able to view other perspectives, to flip your narrative, and choose a narrative that better suits the moment moving forward, over time, you'll notice that you're in these bitter headspaces less and less. You're literally rewiring the way that your brain chooses to think on a reactionary basis. Instead of going to the negative, to the worst case scenario, your brain naturally starts to see the flip side of every situation. And it takes time, and it's not a false positive. We have to acknowledge where we are first, and some days, being where you are and being content with being in a bad mood is enough. Some days simply just acknowledging it and letting it be what it is is a practice of contentment in and of itself. It can be very hard to see that flip side to change the narrative and it takes time. You need to digest the information. You need to digest whatever situation is causing this bad mood in the first place before you can really start to see those different narratives. So being content with that journey, so to speak. And as mentioned earlier, when it comes to this goal or this practice of contentment, that journey of reaching that goal is usually the most satisfying part of the goal setting and goal achieving process. I've kind of gone off the deep end in terms of contentment in your everyday life and what this practice really entails. So let's talk about contentment on your yoga mat, in your meditation practice, and in your asana practice. Now it's very easy to see contentment in your meditation practice. Contentment sometimes is sitting in meditation even when we don't want to and being content with the fact that you're going to sit for five minutes, whether you're in a good mood or really meditating or not. Even that dedication to meditation is better than not meditating at all. Meditation and contentment have this kind of beautiful relationship because when you do find those spaces of quiet stillness, you are so content. And I've said it time and time again in these episodes of the Yamas and the Niyamas, they really do build off of one another and interplay with one another in this way that creates the mental aspects of the yoga practice that only 
further help our asana, meditation, and practice in daily life, which of course is why the yamas and the niyamas are the first two limbs of the eight-limbed path. And these thoughts and these spaces of quiet stillness can come in your asana practice as well. Now, contentment on your yoga mat, especially with the physical practice, comes from being at peace with where your body currently is in this moment. Your body is going to be so different from a day-to-day basis, and your body is so unique in comparison to anyone else's. So stepping outside of that comparison game, stepping outside of that ego, and not looking at asana as a performance, but as a deep internal practice. And it's not just being content with where you are and content with the thoughts on your mat. Contentment in your asana practice also comes from being content in postures that you really don't like. When we come across an asana that we don't really like, usually that means we've really bothered our ego. We've brought up those deep-rooted habits, those deep-rooted thought patterns to the surface And now we have to make peace with them. And making peace with them doesn't mean, once again, that we ignore the burning building behind us. Making peace with them just means that we accept them. Now, I'm going to give you a personal example of this. I am not a backbender. I've talked about it on here multiple times. I've talked about it on my social media. Backbends have always been so incredibly elusive to me. I have never been comfortable or confident in a backbend in general. They scare me. I'm so worried I'm going to injure myself. There's so many reasons why I don't like backbends. And in the second series of Ashtanga Yoga, the first half of the second series is all backbending postures. Now, before I could find any sense of contentment in terms of backbends and in terms of I needed to acknowledge and accept that backbends were now going to be a part of my daily practice, I have always struggled with backbends themselves. I have tight shoulders, I have a tight upper back, and I have complications from a previous injury in my SI joint. So in the sacrum area, which affects a lot of what we're doing in the hips and low back when it comes to those super deep backbending postures. So when I say I'm not a backbender, I'm really not a backbender. And I'm so grateful for my current teachers who have been so patient and been able to to explain and really break things down for me. But before I could even accept their help and their teaching, I needed to accept that this was where my practice was going. And while I knew that I would be physically challenged by backbends, I had no idea how mentally challenging backbending can be. Our chest, our shoulders, these are all spaces that we hold on to stress and anxiety. So when we go to soften and open up those spaces, it can really aggravate those habits that we have and bring them to the surface in the posture itself. So finding contentment, not only with the fact that I was going to be practicing the posture, but contentment with 
in the posture was very challenging and still is challenging depending on the day. But instead of feeling personally victimized by backbends, I needed to flip the narrative. I needed to find some sort of excitement, some sort of positive in the backbend practice. But when it does become exciting, that's something that I can sort of hold on to in order to find contentment with where I currently am. And even though we shouldn't have expectations or attachments to the end result, in accepting that this was going to be a part of my practice, in choosing to learn and go deeper and really trying to understand the mechanics of backbending and how to comfortably backbend, that's led me already to have these little moments of clarity where it's not as daunting as it once was, going from backbends being very mentally aggravating to me to now somewhat tolerable and, dare I say, I'm going to eat my words, sometimes enjoyable. Sometimes. <laughs> but those glimpses of joy... That's all through cultivating contentment along the way. That's all through that acceptance, that compassion, that non-judgment. That's what led to the state of contentment itself. So once again, everything feeds into one another in this practice so that we can come to these spaces mentally and observe what's going on and how that relates to the world around us with the yoga niyamas. I really do think that contentment and asana go hand in hand because of that fact that it does kind of tug at your ego a little. We do want to come to an understanding. We see other people doing these things with their body and we're like, why can't my body do that? Can my body do that? Where can I take my body if not there? And that's when we start to get a little more curious when we get curious, when we start to embark on that journey of understanding, the contentment eventually comes. Now, that doesn't mean that there's not struggles along the way. That doesn't mean that there aren't days where I dread going into a backbend because trust me, that happens a lot. And I just need to know that regardless of if I dread it or not, that's where I'm going. So I can dread it or I can focus on my breath and get through it. And even putting in that bare minimum, getting through it, has allowed me to come across on the other side with that deep understanding, with that appreciation, and eventually with those little bits of joy. There's so much to say about the topic of contentment. There's so many examples. So I'm going to end this episode here. I'm going to let this all sort of simmer and mull over, and I will see you all after the holidays in the new year. So I look forward to seeing a lot more of all of you in the new year. So be prepared because I've got a lot in store for 2023. Thank you for joining me on the Sincere Yogi Podcast. If you want to deepen your yoga and meditation practice, check out my workshops and masterclasses on the Playbook app or join my guided meditation series on Insight Timer. If you just want to stop by, say hi, and see what's up, you can find me at The Sincere Yogi on Instagram.